This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, Equalizer Podcast listeners? I'm Jeff Kasouf, founder of EQZ, and we're excited to bring you a few special editions of the show that we recorded on Podcast Row in Baltimore at the United Soccer Coaches Convention. Usually you're stuck with us Equalizer writers arguing and debating, but for these episodes, you'll once again get to hear from some great minds from around the game. We're starting off this special interview series with Laura Harvey, the new coach of the United States Under-20 Women's National Team. Laura spoke with us about why she left Utah Royals FC for this job, that process happening shortly after missing out on the U.S. senior team job, and her history of developing young players in England. She has some myths to debunk for you. Stick around for the last few minutes as we get to the really good stuff where we learn about which leisure sports Laura has taken on and what she's binge watching on Netflix. She's a TV expert. Special thanks again to United Soccer Coaches for setting up Podcast Row. If you haven't been to the annual convention, you really need to get yourself there in Anaheim next year, and we'll see you there. All right, enough of me babbling. Let's go get to this information-packed episode with Laura Harvey. Welcome back, everybody, to another special podcast here on Podcast Row at the Baltimore Convention Center. Uh, another special thanks to United Soccer Coaches for setting this up. A really cool opportunity to, uh, to chat with folks like we have been doing all week and we have now. Uh, thank you to Laura Harvey coming on the show here for us. No problem. Uh, Laura, in and out today. Yeah. In today, in this morning. Out Busy times so. currently. <laughs> so really thankful for her stopping by. Uh, I'm Jeff Kasuf with Chelsea Bush. Um, you've heard plenty of us on all these podcasts, so um, we're going to try to let Laura talk more than us. Um, and you'll probably hear a fountain humming in the background as usual with these. So um, I guess we should just start with, you know, you're here. You're wearing your USA gear. Yes, um, I am. You're coming to us this year. We talked to you last year as Utah Royals coach. Yep. Um, and now you're U.S. Women's National Team U20 coach. So uh, first camp, first days on the job, I guess. Uh, yep. What's it? What's it been like? What's the adjustment been like? It's been it's been a whirlwind, that's for sure. Um, I think my first day on the job, I was at my pro license. Uh, the fifth day on the job, I started camp, and I actually got stuck in uh, Kansas City. Um, from the pro license and didn't end up getting to camp till the following day. The joys of uh, winter weather in the Midwest. Um, and yeah, I've been on camp with the with the players over the last five days and it's been good. It's been good to, you know, I think the biggest thing I've said to the players is I want to get to know them as, as people and see where we're at as a team collectively, see where what individuals we've got. Um, and we're in a really unique situation with a, with a new coach coming in that I'm the new face in the room um, and we've got four weeks until we've got to be sort of at our best to try and win games to qualify for the World Cup uh, which this year more than ever is, is a really difficult process so uh, it, yeah it's been a whirlwind but crazy and fun and 
who needs sleep? You know, that, those <laughs> days are gone, I think. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I'm happy that I could come back to the convention and, and commit to the session that I committed to. Yeah. And then back on a plane back to Florida for tomorrow. Yeah, crash course, probably <coughs> maybe unlike one you've had, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's good. Obviously, I've had international experience before, way back uh, working for England in, uh, in 2000 and whatever it was, 5 to 11. And it's funny because the sort of process that a camp looks like is, is very, very similar to what it was then. It's just some of the processes are a little different. Technology is a little bit different now, and uh, what you can and can't do is slightly different. But it's fun. It's fun, and I'm in, I'm enjoying it, and I can't wait for. To, I can't wait to take a step back and really think about what this could look like. Because yeah. right now I'm just hour to hour, minute to minute. I think we want to dive in a little bit on what that might look like for U20, and, and yep. um, I, I guess we should mention and, and you know partners here with the convention of this you just came from a session yeah um, which I think what for many straight years now you've done a, a session I have um, and this was breaking down the box midfield was a, the topic this time I was <laughs> yeah. joking that it was my passive aggressive way to say this is how you might be able to beat North Carolina and good luck. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask if it was inspired by Paul Riley. It was definitely I, I, I have to pick the session or give the guys a session topic uh, probably in September Really? So I gave them it in September and just thought, oh, whatever, we'll stick with it. We're not going to change it. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that, that you're going to beat North Carolina with it because I haven't had a, a ton of success at that. But I think um, the way that Paul has set up his midfield and is unique, quite unique and been really, really effective. So sick people, I'm sure, will play against that. So I thought it would be, uh, it'd be really relevant. And uh, just my nudge to Paul to say, you all make us think. So... <laughs> Good luck to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so tell us a little bit about kind of what started or what maybe made you switch from the Royals to going back into the international scene. Well, when I took the job with the Royals, I, I honestly made it really clear to them that um, international football was something I was interested in. Um, and they knew that all the way along sort of me having this contract. Not that I wasn't invested in the NWSL and the Royals because I really was. Um, and still am, you know, I st still want the league to be really, really successful, but I think that um, being part of international football at the highest level is something that I've wanted to get back involved in for a while now. Um, I've been a professional club coach for nearly 14 years, non-stop, so I felt like I was just on this, this wheel that I was never going to get off really and it, I mean it was unbelievable and it's changed my life for the better there's no question and I'm so thankful for that but I just felt like I wanted a little change and I think getting into international football was was the best way for me to do that and um, you know I think it's no secret that I'd had conversations about maybe with the the senior women's team and that didn't go that didn't pan out the way potentially I wanted it to but I think the person that ended up getting the job is someone that I admire and respect so much and the the opportunity to work with Blacko um, as well as have a team that's my responsibility was a big a big drive for me. Yeah, I think I, I speak for anyone who watches NWSO when I say that the uh, Harvey versus Blacko matchups were always the ones that were pretty most anticipated <laughs> so we're, we're gonna miss those. Um, but what do you think? We're on the same side now. We're on yeah, the same yeah. side. 
So, so what do you think are going to be some of the challenges of coaching an, an international team and a youth international team at that versus a club team where they're professionals, they're adults, they, you're with them, you know, how, seven, eight months out of the year versus yes. teenagers that you just get in camps bit by bit? Yeah, I think the the nice thing about working with this age group is they're they're just sponges. They want to learn. They want to they want to do whatever it takes to be the best. And you know, let's be honest. You know, I can pick, I can pick twenty players to go to the World Cup qualifying, and twenty players out of the whole of the United States. These players will give their right arm to be part of that group, and I, I want players who want that. You know, I, I don't want players who just have the talent, who don't want to just have that drive to be the best. I think we have a real platform, um, obviously with the success of the women's team, to say if you want to be part of this group you want to be part of our national team program you've got to not just have talent but you've got to have a work ethic and have the right attitude and all those things that it takes to be the ultimate best and if you don't have those things then you're not going to get selected and i think that that's a that's a huge strength that i that i think i have on my side i think the challenges are obviously they go back to their environment whether it's club or college and they may be asked to play in a different way and asked to do different things but i think that can also help mold them and i think Obviously, the challenge with college is it's not just about them playing soccer in college, but it's about they've got a full-time degree to try and um, get to as well. And obviously, some of them have very, very big educations at really big schools that demand a lot of them from an educational perspective. So we have to try and help the, the kids manage that. Um, and I'm a real believer of that. You know, I'm a real believer that helping them to be a really good human and an all-rounded human is part of our job and I think that having good relationships with the colleges and the parents and the players to make sure that we're giving the kids the best chance to be successful is probably the big, biggest challenge is trying to see them as a as a human and all the elements that they have to get to to be able to perform on the field is a little bit more challenging than when you're a pro because when you're a pro it's your job right that's what you do whereas these kids have got a lot of other things going on. You talked a little bit about the unique situation of going straight into a basically right into qualifying yeah. and a win now and, and maybe some of the criticism on the youth national team side in the past few cycles has been um, you know the argument being yes they're developing but the, the results haven't necessarily always been there so I think you obviously bring that, that management that result focus um, what about on the you know maybe that's the immediate and then going forward yeah. the recruiting side mm -hmm. um, you know we were joking a little bit like the draft when you had it with more of your you know you were more hands-off on that front. Is that a challenge that you're looking forward to in terms of needing to kind of, do you need to deep dive into some of these colleges even more so now? And well, I think, you know, I, I think it's no secret that I, people have, have openly spoken about the fact that I didn't invest too much in the draft. And, and honestly, I did. I, I spent a lot of time researching the draft. I think the difference is I was working for two owners that both at the time had a win now mentality too so i think that's a challenge for the nwsl that i don't think we're set up to be in development league um and i think you know the north carolina project if we want to call it that is a really good example of that that in their first year together when sam and abby and all those guys were drafted they weren't very good but they the mentality around the team at the time was it's okay to have that Whereas at the Reign and, and at the Royals, it was definitely, let's go and win now. Um, and so when that's been put on me, 
I've got to decide, is it better for me to go and get Kristen Press, who's probably the most productive centre-forward from an American perspective that the league's had, um, or get a kid that it might take me two or three years to mould them, right? So I think that's firstly. I think secondly, in all the other jobs that I've had outside the NWSL, especially at Arsenal as an example, big part of my role was to develop the youth. Jordan Narbs, Daniel Carter, Steph Houghton, Jilly Flattery, there's loads I could go through that I had from a really young age to push them and expose them to stuff. So I think that that's sort of a little myth about me um, that I would love to put to bed real yeah, quick. But I think that, um, do I think we need to deep dive into the college system and the club system and see what talent's out there? Definitely. Um, and I think that the reality of, of how we need to scout in this country it's so unique than any other country in the world because we're so big. And I think if you were, you know, we people talk about England and Germany and France and Spain even, and the fact that they've made all these developments to catch up. And you look at what those their youth teams have been doing over the years. The reality of their scouting network is we are our country is that vast that we have more players playing the game than probably all of them combined. So I, I think a big challenge for us, which has been happening before I joined US Soccer, is to work out how we scout these kids. How do we find the kid that's in the smallest state in the country who doesn't have exposure to DA or ECNL or whatever it might be, and decide if they've got a good right. chance of being part of our program. And if they do, how can we help them along the way? So I'm excited about that, honestly. I think that's a, that was a big reason why I wanted to get into this job was Flacco, myself and Tracy Kevins, who I've known for a long time, I think our sort of philosophy around this topic is, is pretty similar. And I think building, and Matt Potter added into that now, he wasn't on, on staff when I got the job, but us all working together to decide what we want that to look like, working with the scouting department, the talent ID department, the DA and everyone else to decide how are we going to make this work was honestly a big driver for me to get involved. And I keep thinking about the, uh, I mean, I just talked to Bethany Balls here recently. I don't know, if maybe you could argue her situation's an anomaly, but we kind of don't know <laughs> yeah. the answer to that. Um, I mean, it's probably a, a much longer term question of asking, like, how do we sort of fix that or solve? Yeah. I, I don't know if that is to the point, you know, the size of this country, if there's a way to solve that. But, um, I mean, is it is it a matter of, I mean, how do you go find a player in a, a small town in Michigan or in North Dakota or, or yeah I, I don't think there's one answer honestly I think you know I think that we have a responsibility as a federation to help that I think all the people that work with these players have a responsibility whether it's the NIA school whether it's a DA club whether it's a local club that knows that these kids are good enough they just don't have that pathway right now but I also put yeah I'd also say the player too like get yourself seen however that might be you know and I think that we've all got to decide how that looks and what that looks like and I think it'll evolve a lot on a server time and I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned in this country very much so is it's not black and white there's no right way or wrong way to make this happen no one's got the definitive answer of what's going to be the right way and in some ways that's the biggest challenge but in some ways it's exciting to try and find it, right? Like, let's try and find what that answer might be um, and solve from there. And, and I think that 
having these sort of minds in the room. And I'll add Kate Margraff into that actually because I think she really thinks holistically about all of this stuff. Is honestly what excites me about this job. So since we're kind of on a topic of, of change, there's been a lot of criticism around the US college system. Yeah. Saying that maybe we don't need to rely on it as much. It's a very short system, the rules are different. Oh, well, kind of what's your take on that? Yeah, I think that, you know, is the college environment for a player ideal in terms of developing them as a soccer player? Probably not, and I think all the college coaches would say that. But the, if you just take away the season and take away the uh, contact hours that they're allowed to have, players getting access to a college degree and potentially being able to be coached in a relatively professional environment, that's something that I think is a huge plus for this country that no other country in the world really has. It's then, obviously, the rules around what that looks like, the substitution rule, as an example, the contact time in terms of training hours, and obviously the length of season. If Those three things are the biggest challenges, I think, for us. But in terms of a concept, having a player be able to get education and be able to train full-time, that's great, you know? And I think back, I'll use Kim Little as an example, when she was at Arsenal in her younger, younger days, that's what she did. We paid for her degree and she trained full-time. There wasn't many players who had access to that. Whereas in this country, there's thousands that have access to that. So, you know, in my mind, it's let's not dismiss the college system. Let's try and enhance it and influence it in any way we can. And that's a really big, broad thing to do and more difficult than me sitting here saying that. I know that. And for some kids, that might not be their pathway, right? Like, they might not want education as their pathway. And if they don't and they want to go and play professionally, go it, go for it. But I, yeah, you know, and I think that if that's what is right, and I think then the flip side of that is, if that, that choice is in with, within the NWSL system that currently looks like, the NWSL and we, and I'll say we, including myself in that NWSL process, we have a responsibility for those kids to make sure they develop in the right way that their, their potential says that they, they should. And if they buy into it, great, they will develop. If then it's on the player that they don't, at least we can look at ourselves and say we're doing the best for them. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I'm curious from a process standpoint. I mean, you mentioned going through some of the process with the senior team, mm -hmm. but just kind of longer view. I mean, was that did that serve as a base to this coming about? I mean, I guess this job opened up relatively recently, but yeah. was that a matter of like you had these conversations with Kate and, and you knew you were on the same page to whatever degree? Yeah, and, definitely, and I think so. Um, that process was very detailed. Um, and I think from a personal perspective, I liked what I heard within yeah. those conversations. Just, I w wanted to be part of that. Um, but then I think obviously, you know, I'm, I'm a human. Like I was disappointed when it didn't go that way. But I, I think I also then took time to go, okay, well, what does this mean for me? What do I want to do? Um, and, you know, I, I'll say this again, and I'll constantly say it. Black Coat is one of the best humans, firstly, and coaches that I've ever coached against. And if he's someone who, who everyone thinks is going to take this program forward, then I'm not going to stand there and say he's not, because he is. He's phenomenal, right? So the, the draw of working remotely or really closely with him, whatever that might end up looking like, was a big draw for me. Um, I really respect him. I think he's, he's a fantastic coach. So 
just that conversation within my own mind of deciding, reflecting and deciding what I wanted to do with that was a big part of it. And, and honestly, I'd sort of emotionally decided, right, this is what I want to do. I'm back with the Royals. We're going for it. I, US soccer was not something I thought could happen. I committed to doing the U18 camp on the side. Um, so, you know, my relationship with Kate and US soccer was still really good, but I that was I was able to keep my Royals job and do that uh, one camp on the side. And then it sort of became a conversation that it might be a bigger bigger role than that, and it went from there. Nice. Nice. I'm actually going to put you on a spot. Oh, oh <laughs> but, uh, I'd be the one. <laughs> I know you haven't had much much time with the U20s yet, but are there any any young players that you think jump out at you that maybe those of us who are, who are watching the youth cups, watching the college scene, should keep an eye on and say, you know what, I, I think those are the ones that maybe can make it to the next level? Yeah, difficult for me to say that right now, I think with only having been exposed to them for such a short amount of time, but I will say there's some talent. There's some talent in the group. Um, there's talent in this country, that's for sure. I don't want to put a name out there right now. I, I think fair, I'd be putting fair. the kids under a little bit of pressure. But I do, I do there's, a, there's talent. I think that it's the, the hardest part about this role being so quick in turnaround to get to the World Cup qualifiers is what individuals are going to work best with each other and how can we then make all this talent be a team? And, and that's probably going to be the hardest part of my job over the next four weeks is thinking about that because we don't have a ton of time. And I think, I wish I had longer, but um, I think that's the big bit. And and honestly, you know, I think we've seen it in, in multiple multiple ways across soccer over this last few years. It's It, it might just be the right person for the right place. Um, and do they work really well with them? And I think Jill's done a lot of presentations recently on, as an example, why she selected Sam Mewis instead of Lindsay in the, in the, in the World Cup. And the reason was, one of the reasons was that Julie, Rose and Sam, as a collective, were potentially better within what she wanted than other players. And I think that's what I want to get to. I just think it's going to be really difficult yeah. to know that in the next four weeks. Well, I actually did want to kind of, I mean, widen, you know, kind of wrap up with some maybe wider topics and, you know, the, the game tactically, um, where yeah. it's going. I think I was saying to you on the walkover last year, you were talking about the cyclical nature of, of tactics and, and where we're headed. Um, I think we saw a lot of different looks and, and maybe new things at the World Cup yeah. um, from, from many teams, um, which I think was in the technical report and that. But, um, what, what's, what's on the horizon for you, at least maybe specific to the women's game, tactically? And, and well, I think over the last four or five years, the game has become very, very transitional um, and teams that can execute that well are successful, but also teams that can prevent it are also successful. Um, I think that that's going to continue um, and get probably more and more uh, like that. I think the athleticism of the, the female soccer player is continuing to grow, so that lends into that sort of style of play a little bit. I do think that um, teams that defensive structure um, is again resurfacing, it's resurfacing itself due to the fact that teams don't want transition to happen and they know that if they allow teams to do it, teams are very, very good at it. So I think that part as well. Um, 
and I think just the evolution of positions across the field like I think the outside back position um, is a huge evolution right now I think how midfields are structured and how they function is a real evolution across the women's game right now um, so yeah I think it's, it's a fun time to be involved in it honestly yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess too then I want to ask you about the the pro license because I'm sure you know it's been you know it's been a topic that is it year four I think this a, is the fifth one been, yeah. been a few years of it um, up until now Joelle is the only woman to, to go through the process and, and acquire the license um, you're going you just started it right yes yeah, just, just started it yeah um, I guess if you can share kind of the, pro the early days of the process but also maybe I mean what how does that change is it, it was it a selection was it you know I mean how do you sort of yeah so I've done my UEFA a license um, in 2007 I think but when I came to the state, when I when I left England, I hadn't really started the pro life. It's quite it was quite a new concept then, um, so I hadn't gone on it in, in England. And then when I came to the states, because I didn't have any of the U.S. Federation coaching licenses, they they said to get to onto the pro license, you needed to have the U.S. Soccer A license. So I did that last year, um, and it was great actually. It was actually really geared towards professional coaches. Um, so I learned, and it was sort of like a mini pro, it ended up being like a mini pro license. So I made it really clear at that time that I'm doing this so I can get access to the pro license. Um, and then, yeah, there was an application process. I think there's multiple, I don't know how many people applied for it. And then they sort of do sort of like an interview process for it and then decide who they want it. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been lucky enough to get on it. Um, and we actually... I've had one meeting for four days, I think it was, and then we sort of have multiple meetings throughout the year, and it's a year-long course. One of the meetings is actually in UEFA, where we do like a crossover, where other pro-licensed candidates from other countries get together and we all do stuff, which will be pretty cool. Um, and yeah, I think it's the pro-license is way more about uh, sort of the process that you go through when you're the head coach of a team then it is a judgment on how good you are as a coach, if that makes sense. So uh, it, it's been good. I learned, I learned a lot in those five days, and um, I'm excited to learn more. So um, we talked about this a little bit last year, about there being kind of barriers to, to women getting these licenses and getting yeah. these yeah. head coaching jobs. Are you seeing any sort of change in that as you go through, continue to go through the process? Well, I think from the pro-license perspective, um, again, the U.S. is very unique. And in any other country, they maybe don't have this, this issue, but here, they don't let college coaches on the pro license. Okay. So, so that, because um, they want people that coach professionally to be on it. Um, so that sort of hinders a lot of obviously female coaches that work in the game in this country. Um, and I don't think it's a slight on any of them. I think it just, the course isn't geared to what they do on the daily basis. So the course probably wouldn't be really beneficial to them just from the five days I was on it. So that that's sort of one thing I would say about it. Um, and yeah, I mean, the female coach thing is a real difficult one for me that I know I've been very, very lucky in my career that people have seen something in me or believed in me or allowed me to have opportunity where 
I've been given opportunities where maybe others haven't. And so I, I sort of a year ago said to myself, I need to pay that back a little bit. Um, so the two coaches I have with the U20s right now are both female coaches, assistant coaches. Um, Heather Dyche from New Mexico and Denise Reddy. Um, so those guys are, are currently with the team right now on the training field. Um, and I've, I, again, I've been in this job for five days, so this is a, this is just me spitballing more than anything. I think <laughs> within our youth program, we have so many head coaching positions and then assistant coaching positions, and that's not going to be right for every female coach to take one of them. But I do think that there's an opportunity for us to help mentor coaches to see what they want to do within the women's game, right? Like. Do, is international football right for you? Because I'll be honest, be honest, when I did it with England, it wasn't what I wanted to do because I didn't love the lifestyle that that gives you, which is living in a hotel the majority of your time, being away from home, all that stuff. And I'm sort of ready, I felt like I was ready for that now. So that'll be like an interesting thing for a coach to come in and go, God, I didn't, didn't even think about this. This is, this is part of the job. Um, so I think all those things, I would love as part of my job to be able to help mentor, help expose, help um, mentor in any way that I can female coaches, whether that's players that have just played the game who want to go into coaching, whether that's coaches who just want to look at a different pathway. I, I would love to do that. And I feel like, you know, honestly, I don't think I've done that enough. I don't think I've given back enough. Um, but I sort of in my reflection phase of what I've been through over the last probably four to six months, I think I, I really believe that I have a responsibility now to give back. But you also brought on Amy LaCobbett yeah. the Royals, correct? Yes. Amy been, has been on board with the Royals since we started. Um, and her, again, her's a really good example. Her job has evolved over time. Um, she's had exposure with youth national team teams. So it's... We then put, gave her the head coach responsibility with the reserve team. So it, as a coach, she's not in a pressured environment, really. But she's getting a ton of exposure to what it could be like if that's the route she wants to go down. Which I think we could do. We can do that. We just have to provide a little bit of structure to it, I think. And, and actually, one thing that Kate Markgraff mentioned to me in, in November, I think it was, was bringing in ex-players, even just as sort of guests to camp. With, yeah. Um, I think Shannon Box just did one. She did 17s, yeah. Um, I saw a picture Heather O'Reilly did one, I think, yeah. Was that with you? No, 17s. So is that something you were already looking at? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, some of those guys, even if coaching is not what they want to do, but they can talk about their pathway. Right. And they're also unique, right? Like, some of them just had this trajectory where it was all good. Yeah. Some of them had, like, a real rocky road. Some of them had, like, a completely um, unorthodox route. Um, and I think for the for the kids in in who are sort of going through this live, like do I go to college? Do I leave college early? Do I go pro? I think hearing all these stories and some of them might not be positive. Yeah. I think are good for these kids to hear and see because it can help help shape them on what they want to be. Well, we could probably talk about youth <laughs> and, and all that, all of this stuff for for hours. Um, I guess ending on a, a lighter note. I mean. We had the NWSL draft. Oh. Different for you this time around. So amazing um. not being in that room. <laughs> Honestly, the yeah. stress of that draft. 
No, I, I, it was funny because everyone was like, oh, you're missing it. And I, I honestly didn't miss it at all. I laughed at the coach's photo a little bit because uh, Sam Leighty, who ended up representing the rain, was my assistant. And Scott, obviously now, um, I'm going to take the interim head coach title off him and just call him the head coach because okay. I hope that's what works out. Breaking news. That's just my, <laughs> that's my opinion. That's not official. Um, I would love him to get the job. Um, yeah, I think that was interesting, and it was interesting seeing it from the the other side. Yeah, the other side. So. Yeah, and I guess we're not going to see the water cooler every weekend. So who knows? I mean, someone might gonna, step it up. Yeah. Who knows? You know, like if, if someone does, I'll be, I'll take it. I'll gonna, take it. We need to. We need the yeah. water cooler needs to be we'll in the middle. The amount of people who've commented on and missing me on the sidelines is. It's been a self-reflection moment for me that I need <laughs> to, I need to yeah, I'm not sure if it's all positive, so, um, but whatever, I'm me, I'm, yeah, I'm not no, sure I'm going to change. Need, I think we absolutely need people to be themselves in this league and not, the league can be like sterile sometimes, I guess, everybody's just. Now nah, you got to be like, you. Yeah. you got to so, be so. you, and if you's very just normal and stand on the side, then be you. Yeah. If you want to be me, 14,000 steps a game and sit on an ice cooler. <laughs> well, we'll see it at Country Cup qualifying. Oh, who knows? I don't know what the rules are. Let's see. See, I need to work that out, actually. I need to speak to someone about probably, it. Probably more rules than uh, NWSL yeah. has or enforces. So. Well, yeah. Um, that's a different topic. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can, yeah, that's for another day, I guess. Happy to, to chat about that one. But the, the draft day was a stressful day for me, though, because I was trying to ship a car somewhere, <laughs> and it ended up being an absolute nightmare to solve, and um, it was probably the most stressful draft day I had, and I wasn't in the room. <laughs> yeah. We've had some interesting sort of anecdotes. I mean, we've got the car shipping. I, we just had Elise LeHue on, and she had to, like, run because her cat babysitter needed some like, you're not going to have that problem with me, but yeah, um, I appreciate <laughs> no, no, that. Good, yeah, just, good... just life sometimes yeah, yeah. throws you a curveball that you got to deal with. Yeah, I think so. we forget that uh, everybody, that, whether fans, media, that everybody we're talking about or covering and talking to are people. And, oh, yeah. Uh, person, so. Yeah, have lives um, outside of soccer. I tried to have a life outside of soccer. It's difficult, but... Yeah. Um, what, what does that look like for you? I mean, there was surfing for a while, right? Was it... So, I'm not a surfer, I like bodyboarding with the fins, right? <laughs> Am I good at it? Probably not, yeah. but I do enjoy it. Um, in the summers in Utah, I would golf. Okay. And in the winters in Utah, I would ski. So, I'm a skier in the winter. I enjoy a little bit of golf and I really love the water, wherever I am. Do you I love rest at all ever, or are you just constantly moving? <laughs> Well, I love a TV show too. Like, I am a get in my bed, watch a TV show. So, so what are you dramas, on Netflix right now? So, I need a new show, but some of my faves, Handmaid's Tale, The Crown, oh, yeah. um, Homeland's coming back soon, um, I like that, Ray Donovan, I love that, um, Power, I could go on. We could have another hour <laughs> yeah. of this if we spoke about TV shows. <laughs> That's what flights are good for. Yeah, uh, exactly. Downloading, when Netflix and all those guys brought that out, game changer for me. Okay. I don't like, I, I struggle to work on planes. That's my excuse, anyway. Um, so I like enjoy watching shows and falling asleep. So, I like, weirdly, I like a bit of like special victims unit. Like I'm a little like, I like the drama, you know. I'm not yeah. a horror, scary, but drama, murder, all that. No stranger things? Nah. 
No, not for me. None of the like, like political drama stuff? Like Oh, did you watch The Loudest Voice on Showtime? No, I've never even heard of it. Very political. It was about Fox News when it all got, came, oh. began. I'm trying to think of the one, uh, the Kiefer Sunderland Netflix. Oh, 24. No, no Netflix? Uh, Designated Survivor. Yeah. I got oh. two. That, yeah, I watched that, that I was watching for a while, but it only lasted three seasons, so it's kind of... Yeah. Boring. I don't think it's ended, though. I think it's coming back. Huh. I've been new. Okay. I'd I like could be it. wrong. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll Google it. Well... Yeah, Google it. Cool. Well... Well, we'll let you get to, I guess, a flight of watching yeah. something to go back to Florida. I know. Well, yesterday I flew on an airline I don't normally fly on, and it had no Wi-Fi, and I hadn't prepared because we didn't have time. Oh, no. You can name names if you want Yeah. No, I'm not going to let them. I won't let airline, no? no? Okay. No. But I'm flying back with Delta, and they're my, they're my besties. Yeah, right I like now. Delta and JetBlue. Yeah, I don't really fly JetBlue. <laughs> Delta, I loved Alaska when I lived in Seattle. They were great. But if I could get priority status... <laughs> well, hopefully, I would assume U.S. soccer's got some good. We'll see. I don't some, know. Some I have no idea. Up, yeah, so. all uh, those types of things that I have no idea about yet. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, entering a new sort of uh, chapter in the world. So thank you for uh, sharing a little bit of that. We'll, no problem. Uh, we'll keep an eye on the the U20s in the coming weeks here, really, and then uh, let's go. Let's I'm get... excited. If you want to come down to the Dominican Republic, well, come on down. Want and can are probably two different. Okay, there you but, go. Uh, there you go. Definitely want to. So, uh, <laughs> Laura Harvey, thank you for joining us. Uh, Jeff Kasuf and Chelsea Bush here on Podcast Row for uh, at the Baltimore Convention Center. Uh, thanks again to United Soccer Coaches for setting this up, and thanks to Laura for, for coming on. Thank you. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/slash KeepStock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.